0: Welcome back to a special bonus episode of Happy to Meet Cute, a.k.a. we are still recovering from 2023 Mm -hmm. and had to gift you a bunch of amazing episodes because we uh, way overbooked ourselves. But (laughs) We are. We're gonna do better this year. That is the goal. Uh, this is Fallon Ballard here with my intrepid co-host, Courtney K. I need to make you a t-shirt that just says intrepid.
1: Intrepid. (laughs) Intrepid co-host. I love it. And then you just get a shirt that says fabulous. (laughs) Fallon. Let's do it. We're doing it
0: um well we have been agonizing because we wanted to share some of our most anticipated Mm -hmm. reads of 2024 with you and making lists like
1: this is so hard i know it's dumb (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard (laughs) it's dumb (laughs) Uh, uh. there's just
0: so many good books coming out this year like it's not (laughs) even fair and i am like glancing at my tbr cart like fuck i am in big trouble
1: (laughs) I literally just thought of two more right this second. (laughs) I know. Um,
0: All right. I feel like we should just dive right in because I think we're going to think of more as we're talking too. Yeah. I will say for mine, I did have, I did sort of give myself a couple of parameters. Um, One is I did not pick any books by people we have had on the podcast. Oh, I, because otherwise it would (laughs) like it would be every book coming out so if you were on the podcast last year or if there was an author on the podcast last year and they have a book coming out this year it's on my list um I'm just not going to share it with you because then we would be here all day long (laughs) so I didn't pick any books by podcast people in the past that we've had in the past and I also didn't pick any books by people that I know for sure we're going to have on the podcast this year. I wouldn't be surprised if a, co- a couple of these people snuck in, but as of now, none of these people are scheduled for this year on the podcast. So I try <laughs> to like rein myself in a little bit. <laughs> um, but
1: we're only scheduled a few months out, so
0: we'll yeah, see. <laughs> so things could definitely change.
1: Um, Okay.
0: I'll go okay. first. Yeah. Yeah, you
1: go first. Yeah. I think I still have more than you.
0: Okay. So, first on my list is Red String Theory by Lauren Kung Jessen, who um, yeah. her debut came out last year. It was Lunar Love. It was just like absolutely adorable and delightful. And um, also, Lauren is an amazing human being, which always mm-hmm. helps um and so i am really looking forward to this one and i actually think it comes out like next week or like very soon so i haven't read any of these yet i do have arcs for some of them but i have not actually read any of these that are on my list yet um
1: yeah, red string theory comes out soon that's why they're highly anticipated
0: yes all right what's one of yours
1: oh okay we're switching off all right yeah um the first one on my list is Rules for Second Chances by Maggie North. Mm-hmm. This is Maggie's debut. It is absolutely fantastic. I read a very very early draft, so I think it's changed a lot since I've read it, but even that early draft was like phenomenal and Maggie is an is a fantastic author. Um it is a marriage in trouble romance, which I love those. Mm-hmm. Um, And I guess you could call it second chance because, you know, they're trying to save their romance. So um, Mm -hmm. check that one out. It comes out, I believe, like mid-year. So, um, yeah. And go check out Maggie North on Instagram. She's amazing. Love
0: it. That'll be a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I have a couple of fantasy romances that I'm really looking forward to this year, but one that is, like, super high on my list that I have, like, already pre-ordered the special edition and all of that is uh, A Fate Inked in Blood by Danielle Jensen who wrote the Bridge Kingdom series and the Bridge Kingdom book like Bridge Kingdom itself was like one of the first fantasy romances that I read where I was like oh my god I'm obsessed with this Um, and I honestly know nothing about this new book other than the cover is beautiful and I ordered the special edition with sprayed edges.
1: Because oh, yes. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm doing with my life these days. And I have no regrets. Um, and I'm pretty sure that it comes out the same day as right on cue. Um, so <laughs> that's what I'll be doing on release day is reading somebody else's book. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good
1: plan. Yeah. I like but it. also... You better celebrate or else (laughs) I know I'm sure I'll do something Uh, um okay my turn yes sex lies and sensibility by Nikki Payne which comes out like now I think it comes out in January so uh go get it it's gonna be so good it's the uh oh my (laughs) there's the cat and she's muted (laughs) And she needed me. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. What would the new year be without a shutdown from the cat?
0: <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, Nikki's book looks incredible. She shared, like, the character art, like, a couple days ago. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, it's so beautiful. I know. I can't wait for that one. It's, like, in a main town, and it just, like... Sounds so amazing and, like, very spicy, so. <laughs> we love that. Go get it. Mm. Mm.
0: So good. Um, speaking of spicy, I haven't read this, but I'm sure it will be. Um, this Could Be Us by Kennedy Ryan. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, like, have to mentally prepare myself for this one because I know that Kennedy is just going to rip my heart from my body. Um and so I have to be like in a really good headspace when I read her books, but also because they are like some of the ones that really, as a writer, give me like the most imposter syndrome ever because she's just so good mm. so good. but so good. Uh, I'm sure that one is going to be amazing, and I can't wait.
1: um, let me see. Okay. The Friendship Study by mm. Ruby Barrett. Um, Very excited for this one. I think it's like a, a teach me to sex trope.
2: Yes. <laughs> Love it.
1: Um, and Ruby just writes with so much heart and depth and uh, spice. So that one's going to be fantastic. So if that isn't on your radar yet, uh, put it on there. Hmm. For
0: sure. Um. Okay. <clears throat> Old Flames and New Fortunes by Sarah Hovell. I cannot wait for this book because I am obsessed with Sarah. A first of all, but also because uh, back. So Sarah and I are with the same publisher, and so not long ago. Our publisher, (laughs) I was chatting with my former editor. We were talking about, like, who writes the spiciest books at Putnam. And uh, I was like, I feel like I have to be, like, pretty high on that list of, like, the most spicy. And then my editor let me know that uh, Sarah's book is going to be super duper spicy. So I cannot wait for that one.
1: Okay, my next one is Here We Go Again by Alison mm. Cochran. Oh, it just looks so good. It's a road trip romance, and anything by Alison Cochran just, like, put it straight into my veins. Yeah. Cannot go wrong there.
0: Um yeah. And her that cover of that book is so freaking cute. I can't.
1: So it really good. is. Um, And this is her third book. She's just crushing it, so... Yeah. yeah, there it love is. Love that for her.
0: Um, okay, so my next one is uh, "X bows by Jessica Joyce. And uh, Jessica's debut last year was You With a View, which was just like absolutely incredible. Um, again, I love that my whole theory in making this list is like choose books that I know nothing about but I love the people who wrote them. Um, it's like, I'm like, what is the plot of this book? I don't know. And I don't care. I'm going to read it. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, yeah, but Jessica is just uh, a genius. So I can't wait to see what she has in store with this one.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. My next one is... Right Where We Left Us by Jen Devon. So Jen's Mm. debut was Bend Toward the Sun. um, And this is Jen's sophomore novel. And I just adore Jen. She's a beautiful writer. So I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Bend Toward the Sun is so good. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like, If you have not read that book yet, you need to go get it immediately because it is gorgeous.
1: Yeah, it's on a vineyard, and it's just like, oh, mm. again, another writer who writes with so much depth.
0: Yeah, for right. sure. Um, okay, next on my list is a love song for Ricky Wilde by Tia Williams. Um, and I think Tia is going to be at Love Y'all Fest with me in February. I say that like she's hanging out with me. Um, <laughs> I will find a way to introduce myself to her because she's just absolutely incredible um she's like one of those people that like if slash when I meet her in person, I'm just gonna be like a complete disaster of a human being because <laughs> she's so good um but I will be begging her to have a single conversation with me because I just want to absorb some of her amazingness. That's how that works, right I can just osmosis her energy
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely why do you think i hang out with you (laughs) 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 and um if you don't know tia williams wrote the highly acclaimed seven days in Hmm. june um perfect yeah tia williams will also be with me at the um tucson festival of books Mm. in march so oh so we can double team her and get her on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) more like i'll just like walk by her and
0: be too scared to say anything (laughs) i mean that will be me too for sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) but she's incredible and yes maybe we can get her on the podcast that would be amazing i would die (laughs) yeah (laughs) we (laughs) do um okay your turn do you have any more yeah um i have two more and the next one is a cruel thirst by angela montoya (laughs) 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 okay so um when angela first told me about like the idea for this book um it may have changed since this original conversation so don't quote me But she said Zorro, but vampires. So. Stop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And based on the promo I've seen, I think that's still holding pretty steady. So I cannot wait. And just vampires by Angela Montoya, who wrote Sinner's Isle. I mean, come on. They're going to be epic.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yes, I need that immediately. Love it.
1: How good is that title, too? Ugh.
0: So good. I know. Like, you said the title, and I was like, wait, what is that? And then I was like, oh, wait, that's Angela's book. Yeah. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, So my next one is Isabel and the Rogue by Liana De La Rosa, which I just read her first one, and I, of course, can't remember the title, because I am a freaking... I can't. What oh my god, what was it? I literally um, just tell you it. right now. Um it's I hate myself when it comes to character names. Um but anyway, it was fantastic. And uh so oh Anna Maria and the Fox. Yeah, Yay.
1: I was just gonna
0: say it. It's like I knew it. Um and I could it was like one of those that as you're reading, you could like see the setup for the other books. And I was like, yes, I am so in for this. Um, So that one is going to be amazing. Also, I need to read more historical in 2024. I really like hardly read any historical last year. Um, And it's mainly because most of the people we have on the podcast, plus all of the books that I'm like blurbing and doing events with people and things like that are all contemporaries. Um, so I need to make more of an effort to read some historicals. That'll be a good one.
1: Yes. Um, I agree with you. Um, and Liana is freaking amazing. I was able to meet her at Steamy Lit and she was just like, so kind and incredible. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And always wearing an amazing red lip. And I really just strive to <gasps> be the kind of person that can pull that off.
1: You're right. I'm
0: so jealous of people that can just do that all the time.
1: I know, right?
0: Yeah. Amazing. <sighs> all right. Do you have any more on your list?
1: I have one more. Okay. Jessica Para. The Kinsay mm. Project. It's gonna be so good. Um, Jessica's such a talented author, and this one um is a wedding planner reimagining like the wedding planner with the movie. W- hello jlo Jlo and Matthew <laughs> McConaughey yeah yeah <laughs> it's going to be so good and um Jess says it's her toast to siblings disney and star wars it's me raising a glass to everyone who has loved and lost and learned how to love again hmm it's going to be amazing so that is also love her high on my list. And um there are also incredible projects coming from Anita Kelly and Alicia Thompson and so many people. So, yeah, no seriously, like you should go back through our
0: episode list and then just find all the new books from those people. Yeah. Okay, I I have two more. I am wow. cheating and I'm adding one last minute. Okay, first, <laughs> um Honeycut by sierra Simone because I I'm a dummy and I picked up salt kiss like a week ago. And I fully thought that the second book in the series was already out. Oh no. And (laughs) Sierra Simone is the queen of like leaving you hanging. And I got to the end of this book and like immediately went to go download the second one. And it does not come out until June. I'm so upset. I don't know. I'm so upset. But Sierra Simone just can get away with things that like nobody else can in a way that like I almost like wouldn't trust any other authors to do. Um, because basically like the way that she has set up this book, set up Salt Kiss and then leading into Honey Ted, I'm like... I probably would have stopped reading if it had been anybody else writing this book, but she is just so freaking brilliant. Um, and I'm very mad at myself for not doing proper research and making sure that the other book was already out because I need it immediately. Um, so Sierra, if you're listening to this, please send me <laughs> your book. I know you're not but on the off chance you are, please send me your book. (laughs) Um, Okay. I have to cheat with one more because this is one that I have actually read um, because Jen Comfort, who you all know I am Mm. absolutely obsessed with her new book. I think it's now coming out in April. Um, It is called what is love. It is basically about two Jeopardy contestants The game is not called Jeopardy, obviously, in the book. But it is so freaking brilliant. Like, I can't even describe to you. It is just, like, the sexual tension in this book. But then they're also both just, like, huge nerds. And I just loved them. And they are also both chaos monsters. And I she's incredible it's kind of not fair Mm. if I didn't love her so much I would hate her um (laughs) it is so good so so good please make sure that one is on your list
1: Mm. that's amazing um I'm also obsessed with Jen Comfort and um Jen is somebody that like in my mind I'm like oh my gosh I should be so intimidated by Jen but you can't be, because she's, like, the loveliest, most approachable, most, like, kind person. Yeah. Yeah, like, totally down to earth, totally amazing. I
0: love her. Yeah. I get to see her at Love Y'all Fest, and I'm so excited.
1: Yay. Hopefully she will come on the podcast. Yes, I'm going to make her. <laughs> um, I have one more. Okay. Lavash at first sight. Mm, yes. Talene Um, And again, I know Talene was already a podcast guest. So I'm kind of cheating with all of mine. <laughs> but I am um, I got this one early and it is absolutely freaking incredible. Family rivalry, um, like the most beautiful sapphic chemistry and like gorgeous dates around chicago Mm -hmm. and of course talene's like mouth-watering food description it's it's incredible it's incredible highly recommend
0: yeah um basically it's gonna be a really good year for books yeah um so get your credit cards ready people (laughs) (laughs) there's so much good stuff coming and speaking of good stuff we have a really really cool episode today with ashley herring blake um we went really in-depth into talking about characters, which was really cool. As I was listening back to it, I was like, oh, this is, like, really good stuff. Um, so just, like, a lot of insight because, obviously, Ashley knows what the fuck she's doing.
1: Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I asked many selfish questions <laughs> while we had her.
0: You were like, writing teach craft. me.
1: Teach me mm-hmm. your ways.
0: Um, but oh my we gosh. also
1: Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, you don't. <laughs> Mine was a
0: sidebar. We, we talk all about uh, Iris Kelly Doesn't Date, which is just fantastic. Um, and sort of like how it feels to like wrap up the trilogy. And there's lots of good stuff there.
1: Yes. And she gives us a little peek for her next novel, um, which you're going to be very excited about if you don't already know. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I, I was going to say that I have two movies I'm very much looking forward to as well. Oh, yeah, give it to us. <laughs> I went to see Aquaman last night, and they had all, like, the upcoming 2024 movie trailers going. So I have to tell you about two of them because they look fantastic. And they're both romances. So, actually, I'm not sure if this first one is a romance one, but it relates. Because it's The Lost City, so you have an author who gets caught up in, like, real-life circumstance. Um but it's espionage. So it's like spy and heist stuff and it looks so good. And it's called Argyle. And it's with Dua Lipa, Henry Cavill, um, John Cena, and Bryce Dallas Howard. And it has a cat in a backpack. Like I don't like like a cat in backpack. Sam window. Rockwell, right? Sam Rockwell? Who is oh, I so think fucking so. hot? He's like the main guy. Did I miss a hot one? <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Um but like you know the the cat backpack I have for winter with the window on that she can look out. Yeah, the author has like a backpack like that and she, like the cat is in the whole movie. <laughs> it looks fantastic. That's why you want to see it. Yeah. Um <laughs> the next one I'm very excited about is called The Fall Guy with Ryan Gosling who Fallon is best friends with and Humphrey. Emily Blunt. And um, it looks so good. So he's basically a stunt double who um gets kind of has to like stand in for the main actor when the main actor gets unalived. <laughs> and there's a big romance <laughs> in that one. So that one looks so good.
0: Yeah, that one looks super cute. And also, while we're talking movies, I have to throw in a plug um for Anyone But You, which is already out. It is so freaking good. And also, whoever marketed this movie, it was an epic fail because this movie is a modern day retelling of Much Ado About Nothing. And no one mentioned that anywhere in any of the promos. And your target audience for this movie is a generation of people who grew up loving 10 things I hate about you. And so if you love 10 things I hate about you, you are going to love this movie. Um, and it is fake dating and Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell, who are both fucking hottest shit. <laughs> and everybody in this cast is like super hot. And Dermot Mulroney plays the dad who is also super hot. Um, and I just need you to all go see it because if we want there to be rom-coms in the theaters, you need to actually go see them in the theaters. Um, and this one is freaking delightful. I laughed out loud. I honestly thought about going to see it again because it's so freaking cute. Um, it's so good.
1: Um, is it still in the theaters right now? Yes. Oh, yeah my god why did i hear like zero about this movie it sounds so good
0: i know they should have hired you
1: (laughs) everybody sucks (laughs) they should have hired you for sure
0: yes please do i don't know what i'm doing but i do know (laughs) that you should mention that it's a much ado about nothing retelling because people love that shit and eat it up Mm -hmm. literally all you have to do is be like oh hey did you grow up obsessed with 10 things i hate about you you should go see this movie <laughs> how hard is that i don't understand
2: yeah.
0: all right well on that rant <laughs> <laughs> enjoy uh our episode with ashley herring blake and go buy and pre-order some 2024 books
1: <laughs> Woo-hoo. hi everyone welcome back to happy to meet Cute. we are so happy to have you here today and we have the amazing Ashley Herring Blake here. Ashley Herring Blake is an award-winning author of both YA and adult books. She holds a master's degree in teaching and loves coffee, arranging her books by color, and cold weather. She is the author of Ivy Aberdeen's Letter to the World, which was a Stonewall Honor book, as well as a Kirkus School Library Journal, NYPL, and NPR Best Book of 2018. Her YA novel, Girl Made of Stars, was a Lambda Literary Award finalist. She's also the author of three queer adult romance novels. She lives on a very tiny island off the coast of Georgia with her family. Ashley, I love
3: you. Welcome. How are you? (laughs) Hello. I am well. Thanks for having me. How are y'all?
0: Good. Good. Very jealous of the tree that you already have set up. That is behind yes, you. It
3: doesn't but have any ornaments
1: yet, but it
3: will soon, hopefully.
1: It's so pretty. Is it real?
3: It is, yeah. We um we went and got it at a little Christmas tree farm thing right down the road. And mm. yeah, yeah, we're a believer in real trees. Got to the smell. <laughs> yeah, well, the smell is the important.
1: Um you know? for sure. So you are coming off of like probably some very full release weeks here of iris kelly how are you feeling
3: yeah good i mean it's it's um been really nice i got to do a few events um in some cities a a little mini tour um when it came out at the end of october and that was really fun um just amazing bookstores and people i got to see some friends and some readers that i've like seen since the beginning like with delilah like i've seen them at various events or i've you know seen them online or whatever so always fun to connect with people who you you actually remember from other things or online um and yeah, I mean, the response has been really nice so far, mostly, you know, I think people like the ending, <laughs> even though it is ending, so or it didn't
2: mm-hmm. is
3: is ended, yes, so yeah, um, uh, I'm happy with it yeah iris was a was a fun one to write, and I think um I think readers like how I rounded it out, so that's nice and nice to know, yay, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Your bright falls trilogy. Yeah,
3: it's weird. It's, the, yeah, my first time writing a series. So it was, it was kind of a interesting experience. I'd never written like connected books before, mm-hmm. before this one. So yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. It was fun to come back to the same characters.
1: Yeah. Which made it harder yeah. to say goodbye. I'm yeah. sure. And play in the same world. Like you get mm-hmm. to know a little bit more of it each time, huh? Yeah. Yeah.
3: It was, it was pretty cool. And I felt like I really knew knew them all very well by the end.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah
1: that's so cool, Bob. Well, you've yeah. given us an amazing gift in that series. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> love it.
0: Um, so for anyone who hasn't read it yet, can you kind of give us the elevator pitch for Iris's book? Yeah, so
3: I'm terrible at elevator pitches. People ask me about my books. I'm like, oh, it's about, uh, I don't know, this girl. Um, <laughs> I can do them for other people, but myself, it's terrible. Uh, but yeah, so Iris Kelly is a fake dating book, and it's about Iris Kelly, who is kind of the ride or die best friend, and all of her friends have coupled up. And she is fine. She is just fine being single and um, not dating, and she just hooks up and She's very happy in that life. Um, So she tells herself over and over again. (laughs) And so she has a terrible one night stand with um, Stevie Scott and the two of them don't think, obviously they're going to see each other again, but they collide again at a, at a community play audition for a queer retelling of Much Ado About Nothing um, at which Stevie has told all of her friends that she is dating Iris and (laughs) Iris is quite appalled by this information but plays along because Stevie is just kind of pathetic. And so (laughs) they end up hatching this, you know, fake dating scheme, um, which Iris plans to use for her romance book, which she is having a hard time writing romantic content since she claims she has no romance left in her, Um, you know, and what ensues is the romantic combination Mm -hmm. shenanigans of fake dating. So.
1: Yay. Amazing. Iris Iris is just such a, bombshell i love her i've loved her since book one
3: yeah yeah she's i've heard from many you know that she's their people's favorites um you know she's the she's the one who will slash someone's tires for you Mm -hmm. she will do anything she's loud she's um bold she you know she she was a lot of fun to write and to kind of tap into her like more vulnerable pieces and parts to her because she's kind of the the one who puts out a lot of vibrato and it's just like you know i don't need this and i don't need that i have everything i need but you know underneath that to kind of get into that was really fun to see what she actually was struggling with and a little soft
0: underbelly <laughs> hmm. we love that when those are revealed
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah do you want to talk um to like your process with this book at all um
3: yeah sure so you know like it was the third book in a series so starting and when I wrote Astrid too it's kind of the same thing it was um you know whatever I wrote in Delilah's book which was the first book Delilah Green doesn't care like that's canon you know like I mm-hmm. can't change anything Astrid was an interior designer Iris owned a paper shop um and less so with Astro, but definitely when I got to Iris, I realized I kind of backed myself into a, a plot corner because I was like, you know, I really like, and most romance writers do, you know, in terms of any writer, I guess, in terms of character development, you know, in romance, I really like bringing in, you know, their an individual struggle too, not just the couple and what they're dealing with, but, you know, what that individual character is struggling with. And so with Iris, when I got to her, I was like, okay, everybody's and her group is coupled up so maybe that's something that she's not struggling with necessarily but you know thinking about and kind of her whole group is kind of reorganizing mm-hmm. um and but then I was like okay so she owns a paper shop wow that's really exciting <laughs> uh, so I just you know, like I was like wow this what do I do with that so it was like just sort of kind of boring um And so, you know, I kind of had to like, kind of redo her a bit and that she closed the paper shop and became a romance author, which she had, I had already established in previous books that she loved reading romance. Um, so Mm -hmm. it felt kind of like a natural transition for her to try once her business, her brick and mortar side of her business didn't, wasn't really panning out. Um, so that was kind of part of it. And then it, it did take me a while to figure out who she was supposed to be with. Um. Oh, excuse me. If you have read Astrid, you met, um, Simon Everwood, who is, um, Jordan's twin brother and Jordan is Astrid's partner. Um, and when I first started Iris and was first thinking about Iris and even when I was writing Astrid, I was like, oh, Simon and Iris are going to be together. Um, it was going to be an oblivious
1: conversation so, we had. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was gonna be an oblivious to lover situation where Simon was head over heels and Iris was like, What? I don't, you know, I don't need any of this. I don't want it. Um and I actually wrote about twenty to thirty thousand words of that book. Like they we mm-hmm. were gonna go on this road trip and all this stuff. And so I got about, you know, twenty to thirty thousand words in and realized that these two just had no chemistry. Like I could not I mean, I was even writing Simon in love with her and talking to Jordan about what he was going to do. And, um, you know, and Iris was just kind of wanting a change and a different kind of do something adventurous. And and I was like, but every time they interacted on the page, I was like, y'all are so platonic. I cannot make this happen. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes I get that question sometimes about how you create chemistry between your characters. And I'm like, well, sometimes you don't. Um, mm. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. And so... I was like, well, hmm, what okay, so this is gonna just all be sapphic. So then I I realized that I wanted her to be with a woman. And so Stevie just kind of sprung into my mind and it was immediately perfect. So or for Iris and what I wanted her journey to kind of be. So yeah, it was it was kind of some, you know, touch and go there for a minute, some figuring things out before I finally landed on what her deal was. Um, and even the fake dating plot was an interesting process because again, if you've read the previous two books and you know kind of what she was feeling and, um, and where she was with dating at the time, you know, she had broken up with someone in Delilah's or after Delilah's book. And then in Astrid's book, she had kind of a a relationship that didn't go very well. Um, and so that's kind of why she sworn off everything. And so I realized that, you know, for Stevie, fake dating made sense. But for Ast- for Iris, her friends would never believe that she had a fake girlfriend or that she had a girlfriend. Like her friends would be like, "What are you talking about? Like we know you don't want to date. You're not dating her." So I kind of had to twist that around and kind of subvert it a little bit, which was fun to kind of play with it. So, so that it was believable for Astrid, for Iris. So that was kind of part of it too. But yeah, it was a, it was fun figuring her out and, and and figuring out you know what she really needed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Took a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that.
0: Um as a huge theater and Shakespeare nerd in particular, I like was obsessed with watching <laughs> their rehearsal process and mm-hmm. them, you know, go through the whole show aspect of it. Um, so like, do you have a background in theater? Is that like something you're into at all, or did it just sort of happen to work out with these characters?
3: Um, in high school, yeah, I did musical theater. So ah. all all four years. So yes, I, I I was the more on the music side of it though. So I grew up singing and I actually did music for a while right after college. I lived in Nashville for a while and did kind of like a duo with a friend of mine where we both play guitar and sang and you know, tried to get gigs and wrote what our music heck? and stuff. So
1: That's the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Ah oh,
3: Yeah. You're yeah. so cool. So, Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so in high school I did musical theater. So I was, you know, we did like Hello Dolly and we did some fan I think we did some Phantom of the Opera and um Guys and Dolls. We did Annie. We did this awful play called No No Nanette, which like some of the if you've ever heard of that play, like look it up. It's for that musical and some of the music, I'm like, what? Like it's it's it's, it's just I, i'm like is this appropriate for high schoolers <laughs> um and it's just it was just so not what girls in high school need to be thinking of like kind of like an existing for a man kind of mentality of the mm. a lot of the songs i'm like okay but anyway we did that um so yeah so i kind of had you know some knowledge like i'm not weirdly enough i'm not like a totally obsessed with um musicals kind of person like i do have a few musicals that i really like and i'll i'll sing along with them but i know some people are like just like they listen to them all the time and they just love them and i'm like i kind of wish i was like that kind of person because they're so fun to (laughs) sing but i just really don't but yeah so i pulled on some of that for the theater but you know most of it i just kind of flew along with and figured out so yeah but it was fun
1: have y'all heard of and Juliet? I want to Fantastic. see it so badly. Did you see it? I
0: don't think so. I saw it in London. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: my God. It's amazing. So um, it's like that up. a modern <clears throat> retelling of Romeo and Juliet where Juliet doesn't die. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, and it's like, it's pop music, like modern pop music. And it's just very, like, it seems like very gender nonconforming and very, like, just like, yeah. Super cool and it looks fun. Um, she realizes
3: uh, she's way too young to tie <laughs> herself to. It's really cool. Like um, Romeo
1: and
0: breaks free I and hope, goes and lives her life. I hope so. so it's like, so Shakespeare is like oh, yeah, part yeah. of the show um hmm. and his wife, Anne Hathaway. Um, huh. There are some Anne Hathaway jokes, which are. <laughs> which is funny, um, like he's like, there will never be another Anne Hathaway. And everybody's like, uh, but there will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like in the show, Anne goes to Shakespeare and is like, the ending of this play sucks. You need to change it. And so she's like the driving force in like him changing it because he doesn't want to change the ending and she's like yeah. no this is stupid like you can't kill her and so she sort of like takes over and becomes like the driving force of the story changing so it's super fun oh, that's amazing yeah it's i love cool. that mm-hmm. it's a fun I one definitely i think, need to
3: need to look into that
0: i think it's gonna tour soon so it should be coming around really cool yeah yes absolutely yeah it's a good one
1: i also want to ask um unrelated to musical theater i'm sorry um <laughs> with this being the third and final tier mm-hmm. <laughs> book in your trilogy um was there like did you have any moments where you were just like oh i want to put every like certain things into this to get it all into the universe
3: Um, there wasn't so much that as just kind of a feeling like I needed to end it in the right way. Mm -hmm. You know, like I really wanted to to end it in a way that felt complete, that felt like, you know, their story, all of their stories, you know, kind of had, um, you know, not necessarily the neatest bow, but at least some kind of bow (laughs) on it. Um, And I think, um, for those of you who haven't read it, I won't spoil what the ending is and what happens, but Um, I think I, you know, I think I did that. Like I was really happy with, with how it ended and, um, and the scene that I wrote at the end to kind of wrap it up. So that was, I think that was the most important thing to me. There wasn't really anything specific that I felt like, you know, I hadn't included that I needed to or anything like that. So, but yeah. So towards the end though, there is a funny situation where, not situation, but like, I've heard from all my friends that I need to write, like, a short story where Isabel Parker Green, Astrid's mom, um, has, like, you know, a liaison with a younger woman.
2: Melf um, <laughs>
1: Melfook, <laughs> yes, too! Yes.
3: Or GILF, <laughs> as it were, maybe, for Isabel. I'm not sure how old she is, really, but maybe oh, 16 yeah. again. um. So, and at the end, it's just kind of like this running joke with my group of friends, but like at the mm-hmm. end, I won't say what the scene is, but she's sitting somewhere and she's sitting next to Claire's manager at her bookstore, who's this like pink haired young woman. And so all of my friends were like, don't think we didn't notice that you put Isabel Parker Green next to this pink haired, very clearly <laughs> queer young woman. And I was like, I did not do that on purpose. <laughs> but did I? I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's just some funny things like that, you know, and yeah. I mentioned, you know, Isabel's like growing her hair out. She's not dying it blonde anymore. You know, just like little things that I can kind of put in there to show that like these people are changing as the hmm. as the story is kind of moving
1: along. So, yeah. yeah, That's beautiful. Oh, so, yeah. I hope it's you feel cool. like such a sense of satisfaction and pride. I do. I do.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of these books and I'm proud of what they've, you know, seemed to mean to a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a big deal.
0: That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So we did want to chat with you today about character development in particular. And I think what is so cool about doing this series mm. is you can really show growth, even like, you know, beyond their original book, which is like, I guess I never really thought yeah. about that before, Um. but you can still continue to show these characters like growing and changing um so is that like i don't know i guess i would really like to hear first like a sort of like how you develop characters in the beginning like what is sort of your process for that like do you do a lot of like background deep dive like really fleshing them out or do you just kind of like let them grow on the page and and show you who they want to be i mean kind of a
3: mix you know like at the beginning i do a lot of thinking on the front end before i even write a word um I'm not like a really specific outliner like I don't outline chapters or you know scenes even um that kind of comes as I'm writing but I do write like a pretty extensive like 8 to 12 page synopsis um where I get all the background information in my synopsis I'll put you know how they meet the meet cute I'll put you know certain beats that I know I'm going to hit where's the first kiss where's the first time they have sex you know where's the um when the do they fall apart questions. Oh, Sorry. important questions um when do they have sex again you know um and so i'll I'll put all that i'll even put up the like snippets of dialogue that i think of which you know very rarely actually make it into the book um the and and like things always change as i'm writing they'll they'll do something and i'll get to a scene and be like oh i want to put this thing in here and that wasn't planned you know so there's lots of room for freedom, but the, the synopsis just kind of gives me a a good place to start where I don't feel so panic where I'm like, I don't know what comes mm-hmm. next. Cause I always at least know a little bit of what comes next. And I did learn like all through my kid lit career. I did not do that. Really. Um, I was much more of a pantser and it was just like literally every day sitting down, just like terrified of the mm-hmm. <laughs> of <my> age. Um, <laughs> and so this actually helped me really enjoy drafting a lot more. Like I, actually like drafting the first draft now so um so part of that is the character so you know for me um who the character is and how they what they have experienced in their life informs everything so and for me it's a lot of it is you know their background their background like how did where did how did how are they raised who were their parents Mm -hmm. how many siblings do they have what kind of experience did they have, especially with queer characters? Did they come out? When did they come out? Was it a mm-hmm. good experience? Was it a bad experience? Was it a neutral experience? Did they have supportive parents? Um, you know, and things like that. And so, and really the question is like, who hurt them? I mean, like, it's like a joke, you know, who, who hurt you, but that's really what I, I have to know, like who hurt you and, and what kind of hurt is that? Like, what is your wound? Mm-hmm. And I've heard some people uh, several years ago, I heard it put as like a ghost, you know, like you don't have to put every single thing they've ever experienced obviously on the page but what is important is what is their ghost what is the thing that's trailing them around from room to room or place to place haunting them Mm -hmm. um essentially and so that is a big piece of it for me I mean I know it is for for many writers but um that is something that I I definitely need to know at least Part of that before I start writing, um, because to me it informs everything. It it informs even their voice. Like Delilah is so snarky and such a smart ass because she's covering up for a hurt where she feels like no one is ever gonna love her for who she is. Astrid is so stick up her ass and talks like that, and no one ever thinks she can cuss because <laughs> she strives for perfection mm-hmm. and has that expectation of herself that was put on her by her mother. You know, Iris is loud and brash and funny because she had to be as the middle child with two siblings who were basically perfect in her parents' eyes. Um, And so it even informs like literally every single thing they say. And you can hear that. I mean, I, as their creator, can hear it, but maybe you can too. Is if you like, if you read a scene where all three of them are talking, like, especially like a text scene, because when it's like really fast, like to me, I get exactly what they're going to say and how they're going to say it from who they are at their core, Mm -hmm. you know, so those kinds of things are really important for me to develop first and make sure I at least have a basic understanding of where they're coming from with their, their wounds. Um, and that, you know, and it always develops as I'm writing them too. And as I'm getting to know them more, of course, you know, and, um, you know, and even once those wounds are healed a little bit, I mean, you know, Delilah, obviously by the end of her book, she's found her place. Um, but in Astrid, she's still a smart-ass. Like she's that's not going to change, you know. In Astrid's book, um, and it doesn't change in Iris's book. So, um, you know, those it's just kind of like those core things that make make us who we are. So it, sometimes I kind of feel like being an author is a little bit of playing like at psychology and <laughs> being a psychologist is like, okay, so if this mm-hmm. happens to someone, what effect would it have on their personality and trust issues and you know all this kinds of stuff. So. Um, which I like. I think it's fun.
1: Yeah. yeah, interesting. I have a selfish question. So I <laughs> have like intensely plotted out my next project, like twenty five pages worth. <laughs> and yeah. I right? am wondering. So I know these characters inside out, as far as like on the page, right? As, um, how do you then go from having your synopsis to getting just starting drafting like getting into their voice like do you just kind of sit and like maybe meditate on their who they are before you hit the page or how do you do you already have a sense of like what they're gonna say how do you go from that outline to like line one um i mean you know i think that's
3: a tricky question i think for me it is spending all that time and i think it just kind of subconsciously slips into my subconscious for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word um and so like you know like when i sat down to write delilah's first scene you know i had already plotted out that she had you know stepmom issues and sister issues and had lost both parents and lived in new york and was kind of a loner and was also kind of a player um and so all her. of those things kind of, inform, <laughs> kind of informed me putting her in, you know, a one night stands bed to start the book off. Um, and, you know, and then, and, and then it's all, you know, it's a combination of a million things, as I'm sure you know, it's writing first chapters, like, okay, first chapter, especially if you're doing dual POV, you want to establish what that character's needs are, who where they're starting from, you know, obviously what they're kind of what their wound is a little bit you know before and then you introduce the next character in the next chapter and then hopefully in the third this is kind of how I do it at least by the third that's where they collide um and so you know I knew I had to establish Delilah as this kind of character and then I also needed to establish Astrid in there with the wedding um Mm -hmm. and that she was going to be going home so some there were some plot needs that just kind of necessitated either a phone call to happen between her and Astrid and or a text or something where they interacted in some way. Um, You know, and so then I kind of thought, all right, well, Delilah is this kind of person. Well, if Astrid calls her, how is she going to talk to her? Um, Well, she's going to be a bitch. Is what she's (laughs) going to do. So, you know, so, and that's exactly what she did. And so Mm -hmm. I think for me, like the specifics of what she actually says just come to me as I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more the tone and the, and the sound and the, you know, the voice that, um, like how she would say things that I kind of know beforehand. But the actual words, they just kinda they just kinda happen as I'm doing it. It's cool. But yeah, I mean I think it's you know, I think that's a good really good question, but but I think it is just a combo of like, what are your plot needs? What are your character needs? What do you need to reveal about that character right now? And then if you stick them it's kinda like one of those things, okay, if you throw them up a tree and throw rocks at them, what are they gonna do? How are they gonna react? You know, and so that comes from knowing you know a little bit about who they are
2: yeah yeah
0: so when you sat down to write delilah did you already know at that point that astrid and then iris would be like the next two books or did you sort of like figure that out as you were going
3: no i knew that from the beginning that's one thing i did know (laughs) that there would be an astrid book and then an iris book um Astrid was supposed to be with Josh, who was Claire's ex at, to, at the beginning when I first started writing Astrid's book. Like, I literally discovered she was bisexual right along with her. I was like, well, hmm. this doesn't work with Josh. Who, who is she going to be with? And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Because, like, I mean, literally in Delilah's <laughs> book, she was straight. I didn't know. So it was literally a late in life awakening for both of us with Astrid. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I her. definitely knew that I wanted the three. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She had. Her journey is very similar to mine, which is you know probably why Astrid's my favorite. Actually, mm, that's beautiful. Yeah,
0: Don't I think you a know? lot of people could relate to that. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely you know I like that in this kind of trilogy of books, I got to show kind of a lot of different queer experiences. Um, yeah, you know, and like and Iris's book kind of touches on how like there's even I mean obviously we know this, but I talk a little bit about how there's different bisexual experiences too. Like Claire's experiences being bisexual is completely different from Iris's experience of being bisexual. Um, So, you know, that was, and then, you know, Astrid's obviously was a coming out, which, you know, I think we definitely need in adult, adult literature too. So Mm
1: -hmm. don't you love how some characters just like, this is such like a phenomenon of writing to me, how some characters just come to you and they're like, this is who I am. And like what happened with Iris Mm -hmm. and Simon, they're like, this is who I want to be with, not this person. Isn't
2: yeah. it just so yeah. bizarre? I mean, they
1: they really do take
3: on a life of their own.
1: And it's like, well, yes, I am
3: creating them, but they're kind of creating themselves as well.
2: Because,
3: mm-hmm. And I think that that is a, is a hallmark, too, that you have done your job as an author and created a multifaceted character, mm-hmm. if that is happening. Because you have created someone who has so many different layers to them and has some nuance to them to where if you stick them in a very specific situation you know exactly what they're going to do
2: Mm -hmm. or what
3: they would do and what they would not absolutely do. Like that was something I got hung up on with Iris's book and fake dating. I was like, well, Scott, I mean, Stevie can tell her friends, Iris is my girlfriend. But if Iris goes to her friends and says, Stevie is my girlfriend, they're going to be like, bullshit.
2: I mean, they they would not,
3: (laughs) they would not believe her. They would be like, what are you up to Iris? So I had to kind of tweak it to where Iris just basically was like, here's Stevie. She's my fake girlfriend. Like, literally use the word fake. Mm. And then, of course, they're all like, God, Iris, what are you doing? What are you doing now? <laughs> um, but that fit her. Like, it was not going to fit for that group of people and how well they know each other for Iris to lie. Because yeah. they'd be like, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're too close. No. And we, yeah. so as I the, the reader...
0: Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, we, as the reader, know the other characters so well too Mm -hmm. because we've been with them for so long that yeah i feel like there would have been like a moment where we're like wait a minute (laughs) yeah yeah and to me that's the
3: trick of fake dating which i think is it's hard to write fake dating sometimes because you have to really sell it you know like i mean who i i actually know two people there's an author that i know who actually met her husband through fake dating and then when i was actually doing an event at um Parnassus my launch event for Iris we had a couple who came up to us and said that they had fake dated to like as a joke for their friends and then ended up you know together. Um that's the only two instances I have ever heard of in real life of fake dating. I'm like who in there right mind other than like a publicity stunt. You know, we know I guess maybe I don't know it actually happens in Hollywood and royalty all the time. I don't know. Yeah. Um but I'm like who in there who what normal people would actually do this. <laughs> um And then, but, you know, when I'm reading fake dating, I don't want to think that. I don't want to think they wouldn't actually do this. You know, I want to think, oh, my God, yes, absolutely. Clearly, these people must fake date right now for this sister's (laughs) birthday party, Um, where they want, you know, whatever it might be. And I've read both instances. I've read books before where I'm like, "Mm, I don't think they really need to do this, you know, and I've obviously read amazing fake dating um, examples and, and stories. So for me, that was hard. And I was caught. I was stuck on it for like a week. And I remember talking to my agent, being like, this is not going to work. I need to redo. I need to replot the whole thing. And she's mm. like, okay, slow down. <laughs> and then that's when I realized, I was like, oh, I just need to twist it a little bit. So it fits who Iris is.
1: Mm.
0: So, yeah.
1: Isn't it funny how the answer to like untangle the issue is usually right there?
0: <laughs> and
3: it's never yeah, as it's usually, big like, as we It's way think.
1: simpler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I, and I sort of like the more books you do write, I think the more you actually do learn that, like, I don't mm-hmm. quite freak out about plot issues as much as I used to. Like I used to absolutely just be like, Oh my God, this, like, you know, even as most recently as Iris's book, you know, but Iris's book was like two books ago, three books ago almost. Um, and so it's like, you know, as I'm, I'm gaining into in my, I was writing kidlet, it would just be like a catastrophe every other day like when I was drafting. Um and my moods would just go with the book If it was a good writing day, I was in a good mood. If it was a writing day I'm in a bad mood. Um but as I like do more and get more experience with my own process and get more comfortable with it, I you know, I realize I know that okay, if I'm if I'm having a plot issue, I know I will figure it out. Usually a walk yeah, actually I just go on a walk and I usually come back with some kind of solution. Um hmm. But even if I don't, even if it takes a minute, you know, like I know I will figure it out. Like I know that it will be fine. <laughs> and so I don't freak out quite as much as I used to. But yes, um, there had definitely been moments, many moments in my in writing that it was just like, oh, okay, this is the world is ending. <laughs> my cat muted me. <laughs> <just> <laughs>
1: this is so funny. the third time this has happened on this podcast. That my cat has muted me.
0: That's okay. so funny.
1: What I was saying was very profound. And it was... This. <laughs> you know that moment in Mean Girls when um she's like at the math competition and she, she gets the answer and she's like, the limit does not exist.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: always think of that because whenever you have a plot issue or something, it's like, I think our brain's first reaction is like my master plan no but literally yeah. the limit does not exist of the solutions you can find like it just yeah. comes down to asking questions and like looking at it with curiosity and maybe turning something over a little bit differently and it like then it becomes mm-hmm. almost like a puzzle and it is very fun yeah. um but yeah I, I like yeah. The, the more I've gotten comfortable with my process as well i I do also freak out a little slightly less, <laughs>
3: yeah, and i I think too it, like the the planning aspect of it also helps yes. me, like like I said, I didn't used to write such an extensive synopsis, and now that I do it it really helps me, and like usually when i when I have a plot issue that I can't get over, it's usually because I need to change something that I've already written, um. Mm-hmm you know, so I go back, I've definitely gone back to like where, okay, when was the last time I felt comfortable? Like that? I was like, this is feels right. Mm -hmm. So I go back to that point and then I look at everything from that point on. And it's usually that I like, Oh, they don't need to be here. They need to be here. Or this conversation doesn't need to happen here. It needs to happen later. So like people ask me about writer's block and I'm like, I think writer's block happens for initial ideas, but once you have had the idea and you're kind of going, I think it's more, you've gone somewhere you've gone wrong somewhere earlier
2: in the book yeah
3: it's like a maze like you said it's like a puzzle and you have a piece that doesn't quite fit but you're trying to make it fit Mm -hmm. yeah so go back and move it you know so
1: and you can always feel when it's not fitting but like
3: yeah it's Mm -hmm. scary to
1: think of it differently sometimes because it means more work (laughs) yeah
3: yeah I mean I think that's also why I'm like such a I'm a I'm a edit as I go drafter, Mm. um, which, you know, most people like turn off your inner editor. And I'm like, no, not me. I, Mm -hmm. I use it. Um, and so that's because I can't move on. Like when I'm feeling that like this doesn't feel right, I cannot just be like, Oh, forget it. Like the only things I will be like, like write in placeholders for are like names of streets or something or something like that. I like, I don't know this person's name yet, or, you know, like a very minor character. Um, or something like that. But like if it's like something like larger, um I can't just be like dialogue here and then move on. Like I cannot do it. Oh my gosh. Oh god. So, no. <laughs> I applaud people who can, but I have to like write the full scene, complete dialogue, and I can't move on from that until it at least has the right emotional tone. Mm. Um and every day when I sit down to write, I rewrite I reread what I wrote yesterday. So, mm. Because it gets me back in where I am, it gets me back emotionally where we are, um, and I tweak as I go. <laughs> like whatever I wrote yesterday, I'm like tweaking, and you know, as I go. And so by the time I get done with the first draft, I have a I have a pretty complete draft. Um, they're not they're not quite as messy as it, it could be if I didn't do that. And that's just my process, you know. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that same thing. Um, yeah, yeah I works for me yeah i know some people are really good about just like moving on and writing whatever but i'm like i'm the same way i'm like i just yeah. i can't i can't do that like if i know yeah. something is wrong i'm like no it has to be fixed i have to fix it i have <laughs> to fix
3: it right there
2: yeah
0: because i don't know and and i know some writers who write out of order mm-hmm. they'll
3: like you know write the ending and how they broke up or how they got back together and i'm like i don't know where they are emotionally mm-hmm. like how i again Kudos to those people who can do that, and I know that many people write out of order, and it works for them, and they love it. And I'm like, or they don't love it, but that's how they do it anyway. um <laughs> But I, I have to. I'm, I'm linear, like I have to walk the journey with them, like step by step. So
1: me yeah, too, because you know. whatever happens now informs the next scene. You know,
2: yeah. For exactly. me,
1: and yeah, oh, yeah. I always am so tempted to skip ahead to like the steamy scenes, and I'm like, but I don't know who they are yet.
3: Like, yeah, no, I don't know how they, how that, how it happened exactly. Or like, yeah, what they're saying to each other, like, you know, and like I, yeah. those little free write machines that people type on that where you can only see like a little <laughs> rectangle of text. I'm like, oh, it looks so cute, but, um, I could never use those cause I need to see the whole page. Cause I reread everything and I forget who's, na- I mean, I cannot tell you how many times just like in the past week, I'm like, who's that person? What did I name that person yeah.
2: again?
1: What is their <laughs>
3: last name? So I have to go back and look at like scene one, you know, and be like, "What the hell is their name?" Um, You know, like when I'm working on that, I've got like band names, and I've got like all these. I just I'm like, "Who? What? What was the band name again?" Um, So yeah, I I need to be able to like see and click around scenes and all. You know, I have to see the whole thing.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm the same way.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we have two kind of fun things to chat about today um one of which is house of usher which i have not watched yet <laughs> but it has been like popping up everywhere for mm-hmm. me lately and everyone seems to love it um so what are what are your thoughts so far
3: yeah so i'm watching it with with two friends of mine and um and like we you know text while we're watching it i That's mean it's fine. definitely horror it's definitely gory um mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually Meryl Wilsner and their wife. We're watching, we're all three watching it together. Amazing. Um, And so it's very gory. It's, I mean, it's like based on all these different Edgar Allan Poe things, you Mm -hmm. know, so, um, which y'all probably know. And, but like, there, it's just, it's so weird. Um, If you liked um, Haunting of Hill House and the Haunting of Bly Manor or Bly, Bly, what is it called? Am I saying that right? I
1: think so. I think you're right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's the same makers and a lot of the same cast too. And so, um, you know, it has a a similar feel, just kind of ghosty. And um, so basically you're following this like huge family. That's like a pharmaceutical magnate. And um, there is this woman who's kind of haunting them basically. And all the, I mean, you know, from episode one, all the, he has like six children and all of them die within like two weeks of each other. Um, So basically every episode is like, how does this kid die?
1: Yeah. Like an heir to the um, family yeah. business. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is just very
1: freaky <laughs> and disturbing. Um,
3: lots of queer, lots of queer though. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. I definitely recommend it if you're into, you know, horror and queer horror and you kind know, of some
2: disturbing images, but,
3: <laughs> um, but it is cool kind of how to see, to see how they kind of re reworked these certain Poe themes into this kind of modern family retelling, you know, because there's House of Usher obviously, but then there's one episode that kind of mimics the telltale heart, Mm -hmm. um, which is probably the most disturbing one I've seen so far. Um, And so, you know, so they kind of walk along, you know, those, those avenues, which is kind of, which is pretty interesting.
1: I believe each episode is named after like a different Edgar Allan Poe story, right? Like I think one is the Raven and yes, one is the Telltale Heart. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, what a cool idea for an anthology. Like to choose an overarching story, but then like each individual story is kind of themed after something different.
3: Yeah, i don't yeah. Isn't there not a Poe anthology out there somewhere? Like rewriting a Ooh, Poe, or am I, thinking, do what? am I thinking Shakespeare? Did Dalia do one? Am I thinking Shakespeare?
1: It has Dahlia to be a Poe. His hideous heart was that it. His hideous heart, maybe. I'm looking it up. Also, winter has never sat in my yeah. lap like this before. It is. It's thirteen <laughs> of Edgar Allan Poe's most unsettling
3: <gasps> tales reimagined. Ooh, That's amazing. what his hideous heart is. That's cool. Yeah. So. So so there it is for you. I don't know if it has an over I don't I don't think it has an overarching story, but definitely cool. retold from YA I think, but yeah. Um which I I haven't read it, but I heard it's amazing.
1: There you go. So for your for your follow the house of Usher hangover, yeah. Go pick <laughs> it up.
0: Go get yeah. that. I love that. Um as a former English teacher, Poe mm-hmm. was always like the one author you could get kids to read like pretty easily.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I loved it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have a a complicated relationship with his stories because I feel like anything that I used to teach, I'm like, I don't want to see it ever again. Oh Um, yeah. But I'm (laughs) like, okay, but this one sounds fun. (laughs)
3: Um, Yeah. We used to, Um, I taught sixth grade writing for several years and in October we would do, I would let them write spooky stories And to kind of kick it off, we would listen to um, a telling of the Telltale Heart. Um, And these are sixth graders. And so so much much of the language is over their head. I was just, you know, getting them into the spooky mood and kind of gave them a synopsis before. And so we kind of studied the story a little bit as well. But I think um, during the the narration, I think one time that he says, like, damn it or damn, you know, and it's like, they just lose their minds. (laughs) I know. I'm like, okay. All right. Calm down. You know, so, yeah. I think hell is in there, too. And they're like, "Ah." Hello love 11 year olds
1: oh amazing oh my, my um kiddo in science class in seventh grade science right now they're learning about the reproductive system and i'm like how's oh. that going <laughs> in class yeah and she's like well it's hard to get through because everyone just keeps laughing Seventh <laughs>
3: <laughs> grade, god yeah mm. like your poor yeah, this is why i take I take my children's reproductive education into my own hands.
0: <laughs> That's what they're going to learn
3: in school is probably not going to be adequate. So funny. Yeah.
1: I um, think we can okay. say
0: it will definitely not be adequate.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. my grandmother's last name is Poe. And she, Ooh. they like insist that we're somehow related to Edgar Allan Poe, even though there's oh, wow. literally no documentation. I'm like, guys, I I get it, but, like,
3: Isn't he he the one who, like, married his 13-year-old cousin or something? I'm sure.
2: I'm like, is this something that you
1: actually want? Yeah. (laughs) I I don't think this is accurate. (laughs) The literature
3: legacy there is pretty cool, but maybe the personal legacy is not.
1: Right.
3: (laughs) Not something you want.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Well, something we all want <laughs> is to go into twenty twenty four not being a hot mess. Um and nice. <laughs> is that yeah. my resolution every year? Be less of a hot mess.
1: <laughs> Be less hot. Mm. No. Be less no. messy. More hot. <laughs> More mess-y. hot, less
0: messy. More yeah. hot, less mess. Um, but you are a self proclaimed planner nerd i yes. have like a stack of like 10 notebooks sitting next to me currently because i do all the lists and all the planner things so what is your like planner vibe
1: Ooh,
3: so i like them to look pretty
2: <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> um i use and hot have planners. been using for
3: several years yes hot planners um i have been using for several years passion planner which is a great company mm-hmm. if you're looking for a planner um they have a daily planner which is a little too extensive for me They're da- the daily spread but they also have a weekly which i have been using for several years um if you're in the market for a planner i suggest checking them out they are um, a great company they are queer and female owned um and the owner although the owner i do the owner and founder i do believe identifies as non-binary now so um and they're a woman of color, they're queer, they're just great, great company. Um, They give back to lots of charitable foundations. Like when you buy stuff on their website, you can even pick like which thing you want oh, wow. part of your money to, to donate to. Um, So they, <laughs> you know, are just a great small business, um, you know, company to invest in if you're looking for a planner. So check them out. They have a really great Instagram presence so you can like look at all their videos and stuff. Um, so I use their daily, their not daily, their weekly, annual, and I've and I'm very into stickers. I make them very colorful. I kind of have a certain layout that I use and I draw. It's like an hourly thing, you know, their day is like broken up into hours, but I don't really use that. And so I kind of do a little box where I put like anything that I actually have to do, like time things or time scheduled things, um, and appointments. And then the lower half of each day I write a little reflection that I do every night. Um, just kind of what happened that day. Um, and so it's just a really fun thing. I like put like, you know, I keep track of my reading in the back of it. I have like a little, you know, pixel tracker of like how the day was. And so at the end of the year, like, you know, it's all these colors that kind of track each day. And so just kind of a nerd like that, you know, I kind of, I I wasn't a bullet journaling, journaling like several years ago. And then I wanted something a little less start from scratch. And so that's how I kind of found passion planner. And actually recently For 2024, I'm I'm shifting into digital planning um, Mm -hmm. because Passion Planner has a digital one that I use on my iPad with the Goodnotes app, and it's really cool. And I can basically make it look exactly how it looked in my physical one. Um, I did like the paper, you know, I like the textile of it, but like as my planners kind of pile up, I'm like, what am I going to do with all of these? Yeah. Um, And the digital, you know, it syncs like across all my devices. So the problem that I was finding that I had with my paper ones was that I would literally write stuff down and then never look at it again until like the end of the day. And I had literally like, I forgot therapy appointments. I you know, I was like, what is the point of this pretty planner that I spend all this time just <laughs> never look at it to see what I'm doing that day. And so the digital, like I work on it on my iPad, but I also have it on my desktop and I just keep it open. So like when I sit down to write every morning, I just look at it first and be like, okay, let me make sure I don't have anything today. I like, I probably would have missed this, I, this, I'd <laughs> not like looked at it before, um, like at the beginning of the day. Um, and so, and I can also open good notes on my phone. So if I'm like out and I don't have my planner with me, like I can mm-hmm. look on my good app and be mm-hmm. like, Oh wait, is that date available? If I'm like making a doctor's appointment or an orthodontist appointment for my kid or something. And so it's just a little bit more actually practical, but I can still make it look pretty and draw all over. All over it, you know, so, and they have stickers, too they have digital stickers, which are really fun, so oh fun,
1: oh, yeah,
0: that's cool, that's what I do.
3: I yeah. actually
1: know several authors who, okay, like four <laughs> who use passion planner, um, mm-hmm. and they use it uh, to like plan out their writing projects as well for the whole year, yeah, 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 that's cool yeah the the
3: planner's digital and paper they all have like at the very beginning, it's like. They have all the stuff you can map. I mean, a lot of planners do these days. Like planners, I feel like the the trend right now is very like goal oriented. It's like, okay, what's your three year plan? What's your five year plan? What's your ten year plan? Oh God, Um, (laughs) to be alive. um, (laughs) I know, right? To yeah. Um, But you know, there's lots of space in there for like that kind of like brainstorming and like lots of blank pages at the back that I know authors use to you know, even make mood boards, which I just Mm -hmm. use Pinterest for. That's, that's where I do that. But, you know, some authors use it on paper or, um, you know, or even just to kind of keep track of what projects when they're due, you know? So yeah, like I'm, I like, I like it. It's, it's, it's also something like creative that I can do. I sit down every weekend and create it for the next week, um, and make it look pretty. And it's kind of creative. It's not like I'm drawing, but I am like, you know, picking colors and like stickers and which ones am I going to use? And blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's something that's kind of has a creative outlet for me, but has no stakes. You know, it's uh, not. Hmm. It's not due to my editor. It's not <laughs> um, going to be rated on Goodreads. Um, it's not going to be one star before my editor even has the book. Um, you know, it's. Um, it's just something. Many- Too real. Too real. <laughs> um, you know. um,
2: I'm
3: like, it. It's, I'm not even done writing it. Um. <laughs> oh life um so yeah it's just something fun that i can make into something that looks
0: pretty and makes me happy but it's just for me yeah i love that i'm like immediately going to that website as soon as we are done because you should i'm in the mood to spend some money and i might as well yeah i can pretend they have great stickers too like their stickers are really nice they feel really nice they have lots of different
3: booklets that you can get um yeah, I love it. It's just fun and it's a great company. So. actually you should be an ambassador. I know. I know, right? I feel like I have thought about that before. I'm like, mm, I wonder if I I wonder if I could do some like side work for Passion Player. But yeah, I'm like, could. I don't know if I have the I don't but then it become work, you know. Then it oh, then, then my, my low stakes yeah. hobby is yeah <laughs> have something that I have to do. And I'm like, no. That's true. But that. I will tell people about
0: them. You're welcome, Passion Player. I love it. I love it. Probably. And sponsored. we will put a link in the show notes. So go check it out everybody um all right well before we let you go we would love to hear what you are working on right now what's coming up next for you yes so um my next book is out next october 24
3: october 29th and it's make the season bright which is a holiday queer romance um i just recently saw the cover and (gasps) ashley my my favorite one (laughs) I think it might be my favorite one. Oh, 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 wait, what? Oh, wait, what? I'll send it. I'll send it to you. Oh, my you. God. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, it's very Christmassy. Oh. So that is um, October of 24. And then May of 25. So notice that's not too, too much past October of 24. Hence my tight deadlines. Um, is I'm starting a new series, Dream on Ramona Riley, which is what I'm writing now. So, yeah, I'm um, pretty excited about that. I'm about 20,000 words in right now. And it is Amazing. about, um, it's about a small town gal who gave up her dream of costume design to take care of her family after her dad had an accident. So she kind of raised her little sister. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then a movie comes to town, um, to her small town, a romantic comedy that actually is a romantic comedy based on an Iris Kelly book. um. So Iris Kelly is going to have a little, little cameo in this book. Um, and the main actress, one of the main actors in this, in the movie um, is the love interest. And she is, I based her on um, Francis Bean Cobain. So like if you were the child of two nineties rock <laughs> icons, but your dad never died by suicide, um because I didn't really want to bring that part of it into it so and his name is not Kirk but you know I based him and her mom on Kurt and Courtney sort of um with obviously creative license to do what I needed to do to develop the character but anyway so that is the that's the pairing and is kind of the misunderstood wild child of 90s rock icons and a small town gal who never got to realize her dream mm. I think it's going to
1: be fun. Fun. Amazing. (laughs) Love it.
0: Can't wait. Yeah. And where can our listeners find you on social media to keep up with all the latest?
3: Yeah. um, Mostly just Instagram, Ashley H. Blake. That's all I do.
0: That is becoming the more common answer. Yeah, (laughs) Everybody's like, I'm only doing one. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I still have a Twitter account. I don't open it very often i don't even have it on my phone i mean it's on my phone but it's like in my library it's like not on my home screen you know i can't even see the the icon um and then i have threads but i don't really post on it very often um and i also have tiktok but i just like i i don't want to i don't want to think up content all the time so i don't (laughs) we feel that um
1: one of my goals (laughs) but instagram i do enjoy Okay, go ahead. No. Um, I also enjoy Instagram. One of my goals for this next year is to just like less social media. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. And more like finding my happiness in writing again.
2: Mm. Yeah. That's a good one.
1: Love that. It is. Love that journey for you. Thank you. That's (laughs) your
2: job. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Well, Ashley. Thank you so much for being here. This has been uh, a really good conversation that I am looking forward to listening to again as I am starting my next project and thinking about my characters. I think there is a lot of like really good, helpful insight in there. So thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah. Yeah, So thanks for having me. This was fun.
1: We adore you. Thank you for being here. (laughs)
0: yes and thank you all for listening and we will chat with you more next week Thank you so much for listening to happy to meet cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much. If you would give us a follow on social media, we are at happy to meet cute on Instagram. And also if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore k k a e on all social media platforms and you can find me fallon ballard at fallon ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media if you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to zachary kibbe and matt ballard for our amazing theme song thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time